0: Chapter Six of The Little Colonel's Hero. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander, The Little Colonel's Hero by Annie Fellows Johnston, Chapter Six, The Wonder Balls' Best Gift. As the time drew near for them to move northward lloyd began counting the hours still left to her to spend with her new-found friends only two more days mother she sighed only two more times to go walking with hero it seems to me that i can't say good-bye and go away and never see him again as long as i live he's going with us part of the way answered mrs sherman the Major told us last night that he had decided to visit his niece, who lives at Zürich. We will stop first for a few days at the little town called Zug, beside a lake of the same name. There is a William Tell Chapel near there that the Major wants to show us, and he will go up the ridge with us. I think he dreads parting with you fully as much as you do from Hero. His eyes follow every movement you make so many times in speaking of you he has called you christine ah no answered lloyd thoughtfully he seems to mix me up with her in his thoughts all the time he is so old i suppose he's absent-minded when i'm as old as he is i won't want to travel around as he does i want to settle down in some comfortable place and stay there from what he said last night i judge that this is the last time he expects to visit that part of switzerland when he was a little boy he used to visit his grandmother who lived near Zug. the chalet where she lived is still standing and he wants to see it once more he said before he dies he must know lots of stories about the place said lloyd he does he has tramped all over the mountain back of the town after wild strawberries followed the peasants to the moving and gone to many a fit in the village we are fortunate to have such an interesting guide i wish that betty could be with us to hear all the stories he tells us said lloyd beginning to look forward to the journey with more pleasure now that she knew there was a prospect of being entertained by the major usually she grew tired of the confinement in the little railway carriages where there were no ails to walk up and down in and fidgeted and yawned and asked the time of day at every station during the first part of the journey toward sook the major had little to say he leaned wearily back in his seat with his eyes closed much of the time but as they began passing places that were connected with interesting scenes of his childhood he roused himself and pointed them out with as much enjoyment as if he were a schoolboy coming home on his first vacation see those queer little towers still left standing on the remnants of the old town wall he said as they approached zug the lake front rests on a soft shifting substratum of sand and there is danger when the water is unusually low, that it may not be able to support the weight of the houses built upon it. One day, over four hundred years ago, part of the wall and some of the towers sank down into the lake, with twenty-six houses. I have heard my grandmother tell of it many a time, as she heard the tale from her grandmother. Many lives were lost that day, and there was a great panic later in the day someone saw a cradle floating out in the lake and when it was drawn in there lay a baby cooing and kicking up his heels as happily as if cradle rides on the water were common occurrences he was the little son of the town clerk and grew up to be one of my ancestors grandmother was very fond of telling that tale how the baby smiled on his rescuers and what a fine pleasant man he grew up to be beloved by the whole village it has not been much over a dozen years since another piece of the town sank down into the water a long stretch of lake front with houses and gardens and barns was sucked under how dreadful exclaimed lloyd with a shiver let us go somewhere else papa jack she begged i don't want to sleep in a place where the bottom may drop out any minute her father laughed at her fears and the major assured her that they would not take her to a hotel near the water's edge we are going to the other side of the town to an inn that stands close against the mountain side the innkeeper is an old friend of mine who has lived here all his life in spite of all they said to quiet her fears the little colonel was far from feeling comfortable and took small pleasure at first in going to see the sights of the quaint little town she was glad when they pushed away from the pier next morning in the steamboat that was to take them across the lake to the william tell chapel she dreaded to return but a handful of letters from lloydsbury valley and one apiece from betty and eugenia that she found awaiting her at the inn made her forget the shifting sands below her she read and re-read some of them answered several and then began to look for the major and hero they were nowhere to be found they went away directly after lunch her father told her to the chalet on the mountain back of the town you will have to be content with my humble society he added you can't expect to be always escorted by titled soldiers and heroes now you're teasing said lloyd with a playful pout but i do wish that the major had left hero there are so few times left for us to go walking together i'm afraid that you look oftener at that dog than you do at the scenery and the foreign sights that you came over here to see said her father with a smile you can see dogs in lloydsbury valley any day but none like hero cried the little colonel loyally and i'm noticing the sights papa jack i think there was never anything more beautiful than these mountains and i just love it here when it is so sunny and still listen to the goat-bells tinkling away up yonder where that haymaker is climbing with the pack of hay tied on his shoulders and how deep and sweet the church-bell sounds down here in the valley as it tolls across the water the lake looks as blue as the sapphires in mother's necklace the picture it makes for me is one of the loveliest things that my wonder ball has unrolled nobody could have a better birthday present than this trip has been the only thing about it that has made me unhappy for a minute is that i must leave hero and never see him again he follows me just as well now As he does his master the major came back from his long climb up the mountain very tired it is more than i should have undertaken the first day he said but back here in the scenes of my boyhood i find it hard to realize that i'm an old old man i'll be rested in the morning however ready for whatever comes but in the morning he was still much exhausted and came downstairs leaning heavily on his cane he asked to be excused from going up on the ridge with them he said that he would stay at home and sit in the sun and rest they offered to postpone the trip but he insisted on their going without him they must be moving on to zürich soon he reminded them and they might not have another day of such perfect weather for the excursion hero stood looking from the major in his chair to the little colonel standing with her hat and jacket on ready to start he could not understand why he and his master should be left behind and walked from one to the other wagging his tail and looking up questioningly into their faces go if you wish said the major kindly patting his head go and take good care of thy little christine let no harm befall her this day the dog bounded away as if glad of the permission but at the door turned back and seeing that the major was not following picked up his hat in his mouth then carrying it back to the major stood looking up into his master's face wagging his tail the major took the hat and laid it on the table beside him no not to-day good friend he said smiling at the dog's evident wish to have him go also you may go without me this time call him christine if you wish his company come hero come on called lloyd it's all right the major waved his hand toward her saying go hero guard her well and bring her back safely the dear little christine the name was uttered almost in a whisper with a quick short bark hero started after the little colonel staying so closely by her side That they entered the train together before the guard could protest if he could have resisted the appealing look in the little colonel's eye as she threw an arm protectingly around hero's neck he could not find it in his heart to refuse the silver that papa jack slipped into his hand so for once the two comrades traveled side by side hero sat next the window and looked out anxiously as the little mountain engine toiled up the steep ascent nearer and nearer to the top it was noon when they reached the hotel on the summit where they stopped for lunch how solemn it makes you feel to be up so high above all the world said lloyd in an awe tone as they walked around that afternoon and took turns looking through the great telescope at the valley spread out like a map below them how tiny the lake looks and the town is like a toy village i thought that the top of a mountain went up to a fine point like a church steeple and that there wouldn't be a place to stand on when you got there seems that way when you look up at it from the valley it doesn't seem possible that it is big enough to have hotels built on it and lots and lots of room left over when the major said to hero in such a solemn way take good care of thy little christine let no harm befall her this day i thought maybe he wanted hero to hold my dress in his teeth so that i couldn't fall off mrs sherman laughed and mr sherman said do you know that you are actually up above the clouds what seems to be mist rolling over the valley down there like a dense fog is really cloud in a short time we shall not be able to see through it oh oh cried the little colonel in astonishment really papa jack i always thought that if i could get up into the clouds i could reach out and touch the moon and the stars of course i know better now but i should think i'd be near enough to see them no answered her father that is one of the sad facts of life no matter how loudly we may cry for the moon it is hung too high for us to reach and the forget-me-nots of the angels as longfellow calls the stars are not for hands like ours to pick but in a very little while i think that we shall see the lightning below us those clouds down there are full of rain They may rise high enough to give us a wetting, so it would be wise for us to hurry back to the hotel. It is the strangest thing that ever happened to me in all my life, said Lloyd a few minutes later, as they sat on the hotel piazza, watching the storm below them. Overhead the summer sun was shining brightly, but just below the heavy storm-clouds rolled, veiling all the valley from sight they could see the forked tongues of lightning darting back and forth far below them and hear the heavy rumble of thunder it seems so wonderful to think that we are safe up above the storm look there is a rainbow and there is another and another oh it is so beautiful i am glad it rained the storm that had lasted for nearly an hour gradually cleared away till the valley lay spread out before them once more in the sunshine green and dripping from the summer shower well said the little colonel as they started homeward after this i'll remember that no matter how hard it rains the sun is always shining somewhere it never hides itself from us it is the valley that gets behind the clouds just as if it was put in a handkerchief over its face when it wanted to cry it's a comfort to know that the sun keeps shining on right on unchanged it was nearly dark when they reached the little inn again in souk the narrow streets were wet and the eaves of the houses still dripping the landlord came out to meet them with an anxious face your friend the old major he said in his broken english he have not yet returned i fear the storm for him was bad where did he go inquired mr sherman i did not know that he intended leaving the hotel at all to-day he did not seem well early after lunch was the answer he say he will up the mountain go behind the town he say that now he were old man maybe not again will he come this way and one more time already before he die he longed to gather for himself the alpine rosen have you had a hard storm here asked mrs sherman the landlord shrugged his shoulders and spread out his hands the ver worst madam many trees blow down the lightning he strikes a house next to the church of st oswald and a goat coming down just now from the mountains say that the paths are heaped with fallen limbs and slippery with mud that is why for i fear the major have one accident met maybe he has stopped at some peasant's hut for shelter suggested mr sherman seeing the distress in lloyd's face he knows the region around here thoroughly however if he's not here by the time we are through dinner we'll organize a searching party hero knows that something is wrong said the little colonel as they went into the dining-room a few minutes later see how uneasy he seems walking from room to room he's trying to find his master the longer they discussed the major's absence the more alarmed they became as the time passed and he did not return you know suggested lloyd that with just one arm he couldn't help himself much if he should fall maybe he has slipped down some of those muddy ravines that the goat herd told about besides he was so weak and tired this morning presently her face brightened with a sudden thought oh papa jack let's send hero I know where the Major keeps his things, the flask and the bags, and the dog will know as soon as they are fastened on him that he must start on a hunt, and I believe I can say the words in French so that he'll understand. Only yesterday the Major had me repeating them. That's a bright idea, answered her father, who was really more anxious than he allowed anyone to see. At last it can do no harm to try i don't want any dessert. mayn't i go now lloyd asked as she hurried up the stairs her heart beating with excitement she whispered to herself oh if he should happen to be lost or hurt and hero should find him it would be the loveliest thing that ever happened hero seemed to know from the moment he saw the little flask marked with the well-known red cross what was expected of him all the guests in the inn gathered around the door to see him start on his uncertain quest. He sniffed excitedly at his master's slipper, which Lloyd held out to him. Then, as she motioned toward the mountain, and gave the command in French that the major had taught her, he bounded out into the gloaming, with several quick short barks, and darted up the narrow street that led to the mountain road. Maybe if he had not been with his master that way, the day before, he might not have known what path to take. The heavy rain had washed away all trails, so he could not trace him by the sense of smell, but remembering the path which they had travelled together the previous day, he instinctively started up that. The group in the doorway of the inn watched him as long as they could see the white line of his silvery ruff gleam through the dusk and then, going back to the parlour, sat down to wait for his return. To most of them it was a matter of only passing interest. They were curious to know how much the dog's training would benefit his master under the circumstances, if he should be lost. But to the little colonel it seemed a matter of life and death. She walked nervously up and down the hall with her hands behind her, watching the clock, and running to the door to peer out in the darkness, every time she heard a sound. Someone played a noisy two-step on the loose-jointed old piano, a young man sang a serenade in Italian, and two girls, after much coaxing, consented to join in a high, shrill duet. Light-hearted laughter and a babel of conversation floated from the parlour to the hall, where Lloyd watched and waited her father waited with her but he had a newspaper lloyd wondered how he could read while such an important search was going on she did not know that he had little faith in the dog's ability to find his master she however had not a single doubt of it the time seemed endless again and again the little cuckoo in the hall clock came out to call the hour the quarters and halves at last there was a patter of big soft paws on the porch and lloyd springing to the door met hero on the threshold something large and gray was in his mouth oh papa jack she cried he's found him hero's found him this is the major's alpine hat the flask is gone from his collar so the major must have needed help and see how wild hero is to sort back oh papa jack hurry please her call brought every one from the parlour to see the dog who was bringing back and forth with eager barks that asked as plainly as words for some one to follow him oh let me go with you please papa jack begged lloyd he shook his head decidedly no it is too late and dark and no telling how far we shall have to climb you have already done your part, my dear, in sending the dog. If the major is really in need of help, he will have you to thank for his rescue. The landlord called for lanterns. Several of the guests seized their hats and alpenstocks, and in a few minutes the little relief party was hurrying along the street after their trusty guide, with Mr. Sherman in the lead. He had caught up a hammock as he started. We may need some kind of a stretcher he said, slinging it over his shoulder. They trudged on in silence, wondering what they would find at the end of their journey. The mountain path was strewn with limbs broken off by the storm. Although the moon came up presently, and added its faint light to the yellow rays of the lanterns, they had to pick their steps slowly, often stumbling. Hero, bounding on ahead, paused to look back now and then with impatient barks. They had climbed more than an hour when he suddenly shot ahead into the darkest part of the woods and gave voice so loudly that they knew that they had reached the end of their search and pushed forward anxiously the moonlight could not reach this spot among the trees so densely shaded but the lanterns showed them the old man a short distance from the path he was pinned to the wet earth by a limb that had fallen partly across him fortunately the storm had been unable to twist it entirely from the tree only the outer end of the limb had struck him but the tangle of leafy boughs above him was too thick to creep through his clothes were drenched and on the ground beside him beaten flat by the storm lay the bunch of alpine roses he had climbed so far to find he was conscious when the men reached him the brand in the flask had revived him and as they drew him out from under the branches and stretched the hammock over some pools for a litter he told them what had happened he had been some distance farther up the mountain and had stopped at a peasant's huts for some goat's milk he rested there a long time never noticing in the dense shade of the woods that a storm was gathering it came upon him suddenly his head was hurt and his back he could not tell how badly He had lain so long on the wet ground that he was numb with cold, but thought he would be better when he was once more resting warm and dry at the inn. He stretched out his hand to Hero, and feebly patted him, a faint smile crossing his face. Thou best of friends, he whispered. Thou! Then he stopped, closing his eyes with a groan. They were lifting him on the stretcher, and the pain caused by the movement made him faint. It was a slow journey down the slippery mountain path. The men who carried him had to pick their steps carefully. At the inn, the little cuckoo came out of the clock in the hall and called eleven, half past and midnight, before the even tramp tramp of approaching feet made the little colonel run to the door for the last time they're coming mother she whispered with a frightened face and then ran back to hide her eyes while the men passed up the steps with their unconscious burden she thought the major was dead he lay so white and still but he had only fainted again on the way and soon revived enough to answer the doctor's questions and send word to the little colonel that she and hero had saved his life do you hear that she asked of hero when they told her what he had said the doctor said that if the major had lain out in that cold wet ground till morning without any attention it surely would have killed him i'm proud of you hero i'm going to get papa jack to write a piece about you and send it to the courier journal how would you like to have your name come out in a big American newspaper? Several lonely days followed for the little colonel. Either her father or mother was constantly with the major, and sometimes both. They were waiting for his niece to come from Zürich, and take him back with her to a hospital, where he could have better care than in the little inn in Souk it greatly worried the old man that he should be the cause of disarranging their plans and delaying their journey he urged them to go on and leave him but they would not consent sometimes the little colonel slipped into the room with a bunch of alpine roses or a cluster of edelweiss that she had bought from some peasant sometimes she sat beside him for a few minutes but most of her time was spent with hero wandering up and down beside the lake, feeding the swans, or watching the little steamboats come and go. She had forgotten her fear of the bottom dropping out of the town. One evening, just at sunset, the major sent for her. "'I go to Zürich in the morning,' he said, holding out his hand as she came into the room. "'I wanted to say good-bye while I have the time and strength.' we expect to leave very early to-morrow probably before you are awake his couch was drawn up by the window through which the shimmering lake shone in the sunset like rosy mother-of-pearl far up the mountain sounded the faint tinkling of goat bells and the clear sweet yawdling of a peasant on his homeward way At intervals the deep tolling of the bell of St. Oswald floated out across the water. "'When the snow falls,' he said after a long pause, "'I shall be far away from here. They tell me that at the hospital where I am going I shall find a cure. But I know,' he pointed to an hourglass on the table beside him, "'see, the sand has nearly run its course. The hour will soon be done. It is so with me. I have felt it for a long time. Lloyd looked up startled. He went on slowly. I cannot take Hero with me to the hospital. So I shall leave him behind with someone who will care for him and love him, perhaps even better than I have done. He held out his hand to the dog come here o my dear old comrade come bid thy master farewell fumbling under his pillow as he spoke he took out a small leather case and opening it held up a medal it was the medal that had been given him for bravery on the field of battle it is my one treasure murmured the old soldier turning it fondly as it lay in his palm i have no family to whom i can leave it as an heirloom but thou hast twice earned the right to wear it i have no fear but that thou wilt always be true to the red cross and thy name of hero so thou shalt wear thy country's medal to thy grave he fastened the medal to hero's collar then with the dog's great head pressed fondly against him He began talking to him softly and gently in French. Lloyd could not understand, but the sight of the grey-haired old soldier, taking his last leave of his faithful friend, brought the tears to her eyes. She tried to describe the scene to her mother afterward. "'Oh, it was so pitiful!' she exclaimed. "'It nearly broke my heart!' then he called me to him and said that because i was like his little christine he knew that i would be good to hero and he asked me to take him back to america with me i promised that i would then he put hero's paw in my hand and said hero i give thee to thy little mistress protect and guard her always as she will love and care for thee it was awfully solemn, almost like some kind of blessing. Then he lay back on the pillows as if he was too tired to say another word. I tried to thank him, but I was so surprised and glad that Hero was mine, and yet so sorry to say good-bye to the Major, that the right words wouldn't come. I just began to cry again but i am sure the major understood he patted my hand and smoothed my hair and said things in french that sounded as if he was trying to comfort me after a while i remembered that we had been there a long time and ought to go so i kissed him good-bye and hero and i went out leaving the door open as he told us he watched us all the way down the hall when i turned at the stairway to look back he was still watching he smiled and waved his hand but the way he smiled made me feel worse than ever it was so sad mr sherman went with the major next morning when he was taken to zürich Lloyd was asleep when they left the inn, so the last remembrance she had of the major was the way he looked as he lay on his couch in the sunset, smiling and waving his hand to her. When Christmas-tide came, it was as he said. He was with his little Christine. "'I can hardly keep from crying whenever I think of him,' Lloyd wrote to Betty it was so pitiful his giving up everything in the world that he cared for and going off to the hospital to wait there alone for his hourglass to run out hero seems to miss him but i think he understands that he belongs to me now i can scarcely believe that he is really mine and that i may take him back to america with me is the best thing that the wonder ball has given me or ever can give me to-morrow we start to Lucerne to see the lion in the rocks and from there we go to paris only a little while now and we shall all be together i can hardly wait for you to see my lovely saint bernard with his red cross of geneva and the medal that he has earned the right to wear End of chapter 6 Read by Lars Rolander